Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Impact Wrestling is now on Access TV. Catch all the action every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Visit accesstv.com for more information. Don't forget, start your Impact Plus 30-day free trial right now. Head over to plus.impactwrestling.com. And if you miss any of the Impact action, you want some exclusive Impact content, go to Impact Wrestling's YouTube page. Be part of the 3.5 million wrestling fans getting interviews, recaps, highlights, and much more. Search Impact Wrestling right now on YouTube and enjoy a ton of exclusive content. This episode of Wrestling with Sports is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days you were always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's like blue in the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewables with the same FDA-approved ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. You can take it any time of day or night, even on a full or empty stomach. And since they're chewable, they work twice as fast as the pills, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. If you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is fast and easy, and it's the way to enhance your performance in bed. So why wouldn't you do it? Honestly, guys, Blue Chew is prescribed online by a licensed physician, so you don't have any awkward doctor's visits, and especially in the day of COVID, you don't have to be around people, and it ships right to your door in a very discreet package. They're made in the USA, so it's cheap. Blue Chew is direct. And the cheaper option, trust me, go to BlueChew.com. Right now, Wrestling With Sports has a deal for you just for our listeners. Go to BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment for free. Just use the promo code Dennis and pay $5 shipping. I know you paid $5 for much more. DoorDash, you pay $5.99 for a tip, for God's sakes. So trust me, the $5 is worth it. It helps the show out a lot. Again, bluechew.com. Use the promo code Dennis. Try it for free. I promise you, you'll love it. I love it. Try it for free. $5 shipping and handling. Use the promo code Dennis. Wrestling with Sports, the only podcast with two former Major League Baseball All-Stars, Denise Young, who's not here, Jason Kindle, one of the best hitting catchers of all time, four-time Stanley Cup champion, Darren McCarty. Guys, I'm excited for this show. First and foremost, how are you guys doing? Well, I tell you what, every time you drop the the, the four-time Stanley Cup, I get the biggest kick out of it, so you cannot... You cannot stop saying that because it's pretty dark, sick, and impressive. But uh, no, I all is good, just... and I cannot wait for you, Dennis, to uh, introduce our guest. But D Mac, how you doing? 
I'm doing good, Jay. Before you do, I'll give people, this is my winter hat. It has been my winter hat. It's from grassroots. I wear this all winter long. It's got Mr. Chimple on it. So Dennis, I'll let you take it away. Little hint to our guest today. But I'm doing good, Jay, Dennis, as always. So let's get to it. I am one of the luckiest people on earth because I have some amazing people I can call friends. And Steve Lemmy is one of those guys that might have been the first person when I was a no-name podcaster to give me the time or day. And even still now, he answers all my texts. He'll call me. Whenever he's in Michigan, he always makes time to hang out with me. And Steve Lemmy from Super Troopers Beer Fest, Tacoma FD. Uh, I call him my friend. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah. All right. Yeah, baby. I also, you know, I, I text you for fantasy football advice. I don't You're care my- why. We all use them for that, and, and hey, trust me. So basically, Dennis, what you're saying is that he's, he, just as DMAC and myself, are not real friends. We just want to use you for fantasy football <laughs> advice, which I don't even know if it's that great of advice. I don't know. Ask Steve. Uh, you're you're uh, great. You're wrong, you're wrong, guys. I used Dennis to go down to the uh, to the stamp plant yesterday and get to run some uh, Mustangs with his peeps. So, you know, we, 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 but we use all data separately for different things. Thanks guys. (laughs) He's, he's listen, he's a good resource for whatever you need. He's, he's our social chairman. I love it. I love it. Although, you know, a couple of years ago when, uh, you know, when Le'Veon Bell uh, was holding out and James Connor was, uh, you know, was the new running back in fantasy football, I did consult with you and you were like, trade him. Le'Veon's coming back, trade him. And I traded him away. I was wrong. And uh, you were wrong. I was wrong. Steve, I, can, hey, I have to tell hey, you. Steve, Steve, wait. Steve, it's good that you let that go. I see it's good that you've <laughs> let that go over because, you know, and we'll see. And hopefully uh, Le'Veon can have a better year. Steve, football-wise, here's the deal. This is yeah. how Dennis and I met. We were in a different league um, with one of our mutual friends. And then when we, we started this podcast and we started, we had a football fantasy league uh, with this podcast. The fact that Dennis finished like three underneath me is disgusting. And I I have bragging rights forever now, but I hope he helped you out a lot more than what he did in our little league. And it was little league. Trust me, (laughs) but I hope he helps you out a lot more. Well, except that I tend to disagree with him. You know, I'll say like, Hey, I'm thinking about going for this guy. What do you think about this guy? And then he'll always say the other guy. that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm asking about it. And I'm like, why do you say that? And, you know, and also Dennis types with a lot of typos. So half the time, I don't even understand what he's, uh, what he's texting to me. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. But let me yeah, remind you think, us. You, you think they're hockey players. You know, okay, Steve, let, let's get it on tape right now on wrestling with sports. Who do you like this year that maybe you have, like you have on your roster that you expect a big year out of? That's so like, or something that you talk to Dennis, like that we could say when you, when this screws up because he's gave you bad advice, I'll get all over his ass. Okay. Okay. Well, I had, uh, I was talking about Leonard Fournette, you know, like I had a, I had a, yes, a crack at Leonard Fournette in like the second or third round or something. And, uh, Dennis talked me out of Fournette. Mm. Um, in, in, into whom? Let's see. It was uh, uh, for Kenny Galladay. So I'm, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about well, that. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, no, no, I, 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 I like that because, you know, here in Detroit, let me give you a little bit of the, the update coming out because if you've paid attention, it's everybody doesn't know. They're either like, it's like politics. They're just either way to the right or way to the left on the lines throughout the country, right? They don't know. But Matt Stafford's healthy. Galladay's his best weapon. He's only going to get better. And what I like coming out of here, and Jason, you can attest to this because not only you've played on teams, but you were recently part of the management of the Kansas City. What championship culture? And I'm not saying Detroit championship culture, but it seems like there's a different respect going on in that locker room. So in that case, I can't really – I think that's a good choice by Dennis, but I think Fournette could go off in Tampa. Well, hang on, hang on. In my defense, they don't they didn't pay Tom Brady to run the ball. This is going to be a all-out air ball offense. I think Fournette's there just the kind of third downs. He's going to lose touches. He's not going to be involved in passing downs like he was. I I think he's his fantasy numbers will take a hit. I think he'll have a good NFL season. His fantasy numbers will take a hit. Although, you know, Fournette was one of those sneaky pass-catching running backs last year for a shitty team. He was, but he's not on a shitty team anymore. Exactly. He's on a great team. So I, I think – Oh, boy, I would have taken Fournette. Yeah, well, see, that's the thing. I, to me, you know, the best teams and the highest fantasy teams are the ones that have not only the passing game but also have a stud running back. You think of Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. You think of when Saquon had Odell Beckham there. That team was humming. You know, last year without Odell Beckham – Saquon didn't do anything. So, you know, to me, it's if you're going to have that all-out air attack, even if it's Tom Brady and those guys, you still want a good running back, and they will still give him the ball. They will. Oh, they'll still give him the ball, but I think his touchdowns will hurt because you, you can't tell me they're not going to go to Gronk when they're in, within the 10-yard line. They still have Evans. They have, what is it, Goodwin. Hey, um, on first down, if they're oh. you're inside the 10 yard line, they're gonna go to Fortnite. They're not gonna go to Gronk. They're not gonna this is Tom Brady. Listen, Brady's older. I love Brady, but he's not as sharp. He's that's why he they surrounded him with all of the receivers, this and that. But they're going to Fortnite because what happened with Brady in the last 10 years? He had okay, he didn't have anybody like uh, you know Ezekiel Elliott or anybody like that back there, but he had different types of running backs. And they ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball, and then he'd pop open to Edelman. Dennis, oh my gosh, I can't believe you made a living off this. Yeah, yeah and Dennis, by the way, it's not Goodwin, it's Godwin. What kind of an expert are you, dude? Oh, jeez. Uh, hey, ob- obviously, um, hopefully, can I just this, uh, podcast to get up? You just need to quit while you're at, bro. Can I just Steve maybe maybe about how how. Uh, uh, it's big news, obviously, you know, and mentioned before, but talking about Tacoma FD, if uh, nobody's seen it, uh, if you haven't seen it, you have to, because if you love the Super Troopers and Beer Fest and stuff, but with the fire department, you're saying that it's great because the feedback from the fire fighters themselves, they really enjoy it. It's sort of me being a hockey player. And have you, have you ever seen Letterkenny? You know, I'm a Canadian hockey player and Letterkenny, yeah. that's, dude, I'm buddies with those guys and it's, they got it down, right? Because it's not only it's me growing up in small town, Canada. And if there's the hits, the skids and all this stuff and the hockey guys, and it's all, 
So, so it makes me laugh when you can represent, and I think it's a great thing. Is that, you know, something that motivates you guys? You, you are definitely all of you are aware of when you're writing and you're moving into you're saying writing season three. And I think well, DMAC when DMAC says this is, have you guys gone into certain fire departments, whether it be in LA or wherever it may be, to kind of get a feel of of how an actual fire department works and everything? Yeah, well, so you know, so season one when we were, when we came up with the idea and we were pitching the idea uh, to networks, you know, one of one of the things. Like with Super Troopers, it always got reviewed as like five bumbling highway patrolmen. That actually was not what we were going for, but that was just the way it was reviewed. And so, you know, what we, you know, knowing, you know, Kevin's cousin, Bill, is our technical consultant and also, you know, kind of the inspiration for my character in the show. And, you know, the, the one thing about these guys is we realize is like these guys are experts. Every single firefighter is an expert at their job. Like there's no bumbling firefighter out there. Like these guys are overtrained you know because they're like you know the more you train it can make a difference of seconds and if you know you, you know the, the seconds you shave off getting out the doors you know you're, you're getting someplace minutes earlier and minutes save lives you know like the, these guys are so it's like you know our approach first and foremost was to not disrespect firefighters and so you know even in like the pilot episode before we screw around you know, the, the chief comes out and, you know, I tell him, yeah, we did everything three times. Yeah. We double checked everything. We triple checked everything. We've cleaned the hoses are, are, are rolled, you know, everything is done and now we're fucking around and that's the way it is in real fire stations, you know? And so, <laughs> you know, so that, that was something that was really important to us. And I think, you know, in that first season, we talked to cousin Bill uh, and downloaded a bunch of stories. And then when we shot the pilot, you know, everybody in the station, we were filming in a real station from the from the you know the probies up to the chief of the station and the captain started telling us real stories and and you know when you hear firefighter stories these things are unbelievable unbelievable yeah. yeah and so and so then after when season 1 started airing we started getting much more feedback from firefighters and just started downloading all these great stories from real firefighters and started visiting firehouses houses and you know met real tacoma firefighters and we premiered season one up in tacoma at a firefighter uh, charity event and uh and so then you know and after season one aired what we were getting was a lot of you know this is actually the most accurate show because you're not focusing on the fires. we all we all know the fires but what you're focusing on is the station life you know we spend 24 hours a a time there and we fuck with each other you know and and that's that's what we do it's a clubhouse you know and and, it's a dressing room it's a dressing room but they sleep with each other for 24 hours at a time, you know? And, and, and think about it. I, I don't know what the pay is. I, actually, I have a, bu- a buddy of mine who's a fireman in Hollywood. And, um, I mean, he's out there fighting right now. They, I think yeah. he actually went to Northern California. The only guy I, I speak with still in, um, the, from my high school uh, a, a part of uh, my life. But uh, he busts his butt, man. And I'm going to tell you what. And so I was able to, like, pick his – what do you guys do? Oh, you know what? When you're a rookie, on up, on up. And that is what you guys, you guys have brought to life the funnier parts because you can only imagine. Listen, when there's, and hopefully there's nothing going on. That's what you want as a fireman. But when there's nothing going on, you're going to totally have a clubhouse lifestyle and and, and dick around and mess around with each other. And the the younger guys are going to be, you know, the ones making breakfast, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, when that bell does ring, though, I know that there's some serious, serious stuff. And, so you do all of that, but obviously you guys are hilarious, absolutely hilarious, and it goes back to Dennis, 
DMAC, if you guys got something else, because I really want to ask about the the, uh, the broken lizard. Just jump How in. that became it's part of uh, your show. Part. Well, I'll, I'll just finish off with in terms of Tacoma FD. You know, the, the cool thing about firefighters is the world is is limitless. So it's like, you know, you hear stories about the calls they went on. Like, you know, we heard cousin Bill told us a story about they had a drug addict. And he was freaking out. He was in like heart going into, you know, borderline cardiac arrest. He had a puppet with him and he wanted them, the firefighters to resuscitate the puppet and the firefighters looking at each other like no fucking way are we going to resuscitate the puppet. But he kept getting, this guy kept getting more and more agitated. And finally the captain was like, resuscitate the fucking puppet. And so now, now, now these firefighters had to get down and pretend to give CPR to a, to a puppet while the other firefighters are actually trying to deal with the live guy. And we're like, right there. That's a, that's, that's the opening that's beautiful. Of, beautiful. of an episode. And then, uh, you know, we, we had one the other day where, uh, you know, cousin Bill was telling us a story. They had a guy, he, he was on drugs. He got in a car wreck. They got to him and he was jammed in the car and they got the jaws of life out to, to pry this guy loose. And now the guy was freaking out. He started trying to get at the jaws of life. And so to protect him, Cousin Bill was trying to get his hands, this guy's hands off the jaws of life. And the guy was a big, strong dude. And he grabbed Cousin Bill's hand and he broke one of his fingers. Oh. And, oh. and then Bill started screaming and trying to get his hand away. And he couldn't because the guy was so strong. And the guy reached for his second finger mm-hmm. and, sn- and snapped that one, too. And at that oh. point, Bill started punching the guy. And, you know, <laughs> people were like, what the fuck is going on here? But we were like, OK, well. That's funny. It's a little disturbing. What's the funny version of that? And so we turned that into an episode where Lucy, the girl, gets hit in the throat by this guy on drugs, and it damages her vocal cords and, and lowers her voice. And that, <laughs> yeah. and that was the episode we went with from there. So it's like, you know, you, you, anyway, those are literally just like two stories, and you hear. That's how you get. You get hun- God, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Yes, his minds are all messed up in a totally unbelievable perfect way <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know i guess it was a curse growing up in school not paying attention well and, is uh, that what is that that's one of the questions i want to ask him is that what you wanted to do when you were growing up be a comedian be stand-up or actor no not no not at all i wanted to be uh mick jagger mm-hmm. you know like i would look right on you know and as a kid i just watched it was a combination of mick jagger and then uh Danny Zuko from Greece. Oh, like, uh, Danny Zuko. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, I, that's like, because of Olivia Newton-John. Yeah, well, it's because you like the you like the rock for girls. <laughs> I'm just saying, it was like, <laughs> I, like I just like kind of being, you know, I want to, like Mick Jagger was cool to me. You know, he was, uh, he, you know, prancing around. He was fucking making great music, and it was, as a god, a rock star. That would be cool. And, you know, I think my family was slightly dysfunctional. And so I was acting out a lot. And, uh, you know, I liked to laugh and had a good time. And I, I got into, you know, smoking weed when I was, you know, 12. And, uh, you know, event, and, and then what happened was I, I got uh, discovered uh, breakdancing on the street uh, at age 14. And um, I got, they paid me 400 bucks to break dance for a TV commercial. And then I was like, this is pretty awesome. Right. Um, and then, uh, you know, but I didn't like the theater crowd in like the kids who did the school plays. <clears throat> I, th- I thought it was uh, very, they were very pompous, you know? And so, uh, but it wasn't until college I decided I wanted to audition for a play or something. 
and then um, that's when I met you know Kevin and uh, and Jay. They were starting a, a sketch comedy group, and they were holding auditions, and and I auditioned for the group, and and uh, and I got in, and then we just became super tight friends. And our first show in, in, in college was a huge success. Um, you know, so uh, like the first the first night was like maybe thirty five people in the crowd. And then by the third night, it was sold out. And the fourth night, we were turning people away. And, you know, we realized <clears throat> we had something. Um, and so we brought it to New York City and started doing it there. That is so. unbelievable. So, like, material-wise. Go ahead, yeah, D-Mike. No, I was just going to say, I think that's important, though, because that comes through, whether it's in your movies or what now, whether or in the TV show. But there's... You can tell that it's there's a bond there, sort of like you said, like the locker room even more. Now, when you guys, like everybody's got, you know, sort of their role in, in you know, the lizard or in that, like, you know, when uh, the different movies or when you guys think of things, do you think specifically that or do you think the storyline and then plug each of yourselves in there? How does how does the creative process Work. It's, you know, it's um, each one of those projects has a different life and they evolve. You know, the first movie that we did was a movie called Puddle Cruiser. Um, and, you know, we we didn't have any designs on who was going to. I mean, I, I felt, you know, I made my case that I we didn't have any designs on, on who was going to be what part. And we just started writing a part, a, a movie about five college friends. And what happened then was we realized that people were kind of, you know, naturally kind of writing, beefing up roles that they thought they might play. Right. Um, And then, you know, I think there was some tension because some guys thought, you know, certain guys might play the lead. And I I wound up playing the lead. And I think there was a situation where people, then everything got knocked out of whack and it just caused tension and we realized that you can't, you just have to write these characters and then you can figure out who's going to play what. And so when we wrote without any bias. And so when we wrote super troopers, we had these different roles. And then we, after we had a bunch of the different scripts, we, we all rotated and read the different parts. And it was funny because okay. I had, I hadn't read the part of Farva yet. I was going to go after <laughs> Kevin. Kevin read, read right. that role first. Uh, he was probably like the third guy to read it. And uh, right. after he went, it was my turn. And I was like, I don't think there's any reason for me to read this part. Uh, Cause you know, Heffernan was doing it, it and nailing it, you know, fell, um, fell into it. And, and you know that because of the product, the way it is, you can't see anybody, but him playing that character. Right. You know what I mean? I was just wondering if it got easier as you guys wrote the way that you could tell, oh, this is going to be, you know, this character, or this is going to be that character. Well, like that's I said, cool. that's it, cool though. It's all different, you know, because like in that first yeah. movie, Puddle Cruiser, I played the romantic lead, and it was like we didn't know how to write a romance yet, and like we should have been just peppering it with jokes, but instead it was mostly like a lot of this mushy stuff. And so after that, my my condition, I was like, I don't want to do that again. I want to do, I want to just play a goofy character. And so that was, you know, why my character was kind of the wild man in Super Troopers. And then, um, you know, after that movie, Kevin was like, I, I want to do something against type. So I want to play like, I want to play the romantic lead. So he was the romantic lead in Club Dread. 
And right. Jay, Jay, who had been directing the movies, like when you direct, you've got a full plate and it's hard for you to be in a good mood. Cause you're like answering a million questions and you're yeah, looking, you're <laughs> yeah, you're on a schedule. And so we, we wrote a part for him. We were like, let's make something that's angry proof. And so we wrote this like foppish, uh, British guy with dreadlocks. <laughs> so he would have this, you know, this British accent and, you know, kind of ponce around, um, you know, and so that's why it's like each of these things sometimes is a reaction to the previous movie or, um, you know, then we made beer fest and we, we kind of resorted back to it. We were like, let's make Heffernan needs to be the big beer drinking guy. Das and I was, boot. yeah, Das boot. And I was going to be a nerdy Jewish scientist and, you know, and, and so it's, like I said, each of these things has, has a different personality, you know? So like, uh, um, we try to go into it, you know, unbiased and it's, uh with- it's so cool listening to this stuff because i've seen all the movies uh probably numerous times but um my big thing was like when i came home from a game there was two things i i, I really watched or i tv and this is obviously going back to the vcrs you know i'd be playing and I'd try to push record on the tape and leaving your tv on and um it was stand-up comedy and wrestling and hence why I'm on the show, I guess. Yeah. It's because of wrestling. Those are the things that I, that, that was how I winded down um, after a game or what, whatnot. But how did you get to the point to where you, you want, cause I'm assuming standup had to become, come first, obviously before uh, acting. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But how did you like, do, did you like walk, do you still today um, walk around like with a notepad with a, a cell phone and you see something, I don't know, on the streets or wherever. And, you write it down and, be, and and go and you guys all talk about it. Like how does, how do your stand up your, your acts? How, how do you think of the material for that? So I actually didn't do stand up comedy uh, until after the, the movies. So like uh, we sketch comedy was the first, uh, the first thing we all did. Some of the guys had done stand up comedy. I know Jay and, uh, and Paul had done stand up comedy, but Kevin and I never had, but we started with a sketch comedy show. And then, uh, in like 2009, there was a strike in Hollywood. And, you know, also we had kind of run dry a little bit. And so we decided we were going to do, we were going to get back to our sketch roots and go on, on a national tour because we did have fans. And so, uh, but hauling around all those costumes that were like, we had togas and like fucking gorilla costumes and mermaid costumes. And we're like, is giant duffel bags and they were heavy. We're like, this sucks. And so, we boiled it down and just like, let's do stand up. We'll just go there and do microphones. And uh, so Kevin and I, that was the first time we ever did it. And it was terrifying, but like, oh, I, bet. I, I thought that was, you know, that and improv were like the hardest things to do. And, you know, after the first time I did stand up, I was addicted because it's like getting out there. The first time is the hard one. And after you come off, I actually bombed the first time I went out there. I did 15 minutes of straight shit. And, uh, I came off and was like, that was amazing. That was fucking fantastic. <laughs> you were fired up. Yep. I did it, you know, and it's, and it's like, and that's, that's all you need. And then after that, it was like, then well, Kevin and I went on the road yeah. for, yeah, 10, 10 years we did it. And then in that period of time, we, you know, uh, he and I were selling a bunch of TV shows and developing them. And finally, you know, after all that time when Super Troopers 2 got greenlit and then we got our TV series greenlit really based on super troopers too. And so like, uh, um, the ideas, you know, um, you have to, you know, our ideas come from real life or certainly mine do. And, uh, 
you know, it's like some, somebody says something funny or there's a funny concept that we're riffing about at a bar or anything, you know, it can be, be I, no, you gotta be sick to do what you guys do to be as funny as you guys are. Like, let me give you an example. Like right now, obviously you're in LA house, unbelievable, sweet ass pool. Love it. All these fires yeah. around, especially with Tacoma is, I mean, you guys gotta be like just looking for a, a certain things, whether it be on the news or whatever, is it sick? It's hilarious. And that's what people want. People want to laugh, especially in today's generation. Or I mean, 2020, screw the generation, 2020. Yeah. People need to laugh. This is an awful, awful year. And you guys make us laugh. Like, are you guys even thinking about stuff like this right now? Because I know it's an awful, awful thing. And I have family out there in LA and, and in Northern California. Um, it, but there's got to be something funny that comes out of this. Well, there's, there are a lot of, you know, the comedy, comedy can come from so many places, you know, it's like season one, we had a stunt person get injured on the set and we called the real firefighters. We called 911 and mm-hmm. these real firefighters showed up and were fucking confused. <laughs> they were like, Here, they're like, we see fire trucks and we see firefighters and these firefighters' oh, knees, knees are knocking together, oh, you know? Funny. And so we just thought, you know, and luckily the, the, the stunt person was okay and uh, actually showed up back on set later that day. And so we were like, okay, that's that's a happy outcome there. And so we that became the cold open for episode seven in season two was you start off with a dude laying on the ground. There are firefighters above him. At first they seem confident. And then they're, they're like, did anybody call the firefighters? And, uh, and then and we show up on set. So it's like, you know, we, we show up there and it's like, oh, it's a, you know, it's, we're on set looking at these, uh, you know, short actors. And uh, it's, uh, you know, um, you know, that's that. There was, we had another funny thing, which we haven't figured out how to do yet, but it came out of a really dark situation, which was uh, when we were making season one, we had, um, there were some, uh, the, the, the Woolsey fires were here in California. And uh, those were, you know, thousands of acres and, uh, you know, firefighters came from all over and we could see it from our set. It was about five miles away from our set We're you know, we're shooting and we were actually shooting the one episode a season where we fight a fire. And so we've got an hour fire is one gas strip with like four jets of flame sticking out of it. And from our set, we can see thick smoke uh, five miles away and there are thousands of firefighters up there. And, uh, we were shooting a scene where our fire truck, our engine drives down the street and I'm riding shotgun, I play the captain. So I'm riding shotgun and we're getting ready to roll a take. And there's, I look over and there's a dude next to us parked in an SUV. And he looks at the fire truck that says Tacoma fire department. And he looks up at me and he goes, do you mean to tell me you guys came all the way from Tacoma to help fight these fires? (laughs) (laughs) And I, I looked at him and I was like, yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> and he's like, right on, man. And then you know, they beautiful. called action and we drove off. I didn't have the heart to tell him, but it was like, you know, we got some goodwill for the the, yeah, fire for the, awesome. the, the problem is we went around the block and then we came back. And then, <laughs> and then he, and he, he was still parked there and he was looking at me like, you fucking fraud. <laughs> you, you, were but, ta- uh, you were talking about super troopers. I just want to jump in because for like two years I've been waiting to ask you about this one moment 
And I was so jealous because we're all wrestling fans. And I know that you kind of grew up on it, but you're not really a wrestling guy. But for part of the promotion for Super Troopers 2, yeah. you were at WWE. I believe it was SmackDown, if I'm mm -hmm. correct. Yeah. Uh, what is it like when you go into a place that you don't really know these guys, but they're like superstars in their industry and they're coming to you geeking out over you? You know, it's, well, first of all, I, I was, I grew up on wrestling, you know, like when I was a kid, it was, that was when Hulk Hogan was a bad guy and, uh, you know, Dusty Rhodes and Black Jack Lanza, like, you know, deep cut dudes here. Right. And so, mm -hmm. uh, I, so I always loved it. And I, you know, when they said, Hey, do you want to do a cross promotional thing? I was like, absolutely. Let's let, let's do it. You know, it's, I think one of the coolest things about this industry and, and, you know, all of these entertainment industries, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a musician, uh, is that you do get to meet, you get put in these situations where you get to meet people that you otherwise would never get to meet if you weren't in the industry. And you know, to me, it's just the, the biggest challenge was always, at, certainly at the beginning, was just figuring out how not to be a fanboy and like embarrass myself. You know, like I met Patrick Swayze before we made Super Troopers and I fucking crashed and burned. I couldn't think of a single thing to say. And within a minute, he had one of a, a famous actor, you know, Matt Dillon came over and, and you know, got between us and, and shut his back on me and I was out. And it was like devastating, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, to me, it's just like, okay, you know, like when you meet these people that you see on TV or you, you, you meet athletes, you know, and it's like, uh, it's just, it's surreal. Or you meet other actors, like, you know, I was sitting there making Club Dread with Bill Paxton. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was right when those Sam Elliott uh, beef, it's what's for dinner commercials uh. were, were on TV. <laughs> yep. And that was our inside joke. You know, we would always just sit around going beef, it's what's for dinner. And one day he, you know, he tapped me on the shoulder. We're, we're shooting on the beach. And he motions uh, for me to look down, and I look down, and his dick is out. And he goes, it's, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he goes, it's what's for dinner. <laughs> and, uh, and then in that moment, I was thinking to myself, you know, when I was a kid watching Weird Science and fucking loving the character of Chet the most of yep. all the characters, yep. did I ever uh, think in my wildest dreams that, you know, I 20 years that. later, I'd be looking at Chet's dick? <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> You made it, bro. Yeah. <laughs> that's when you see, that's when you knew you made it. That's unbelievable. What but unbelievable. One of the, it's cool the Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you. No, I was going to say it's like well, there was one time I I can't remember if it was if we were in Raleigh, might have been Raleigh Durham and uh we went we walked down to the hotel. We were doing a show down there and uh two there were two guys sitting in the in the lobby like waiting to get picked up. And uh, one of them goes like, oh, my God, it's the Super Troopers. And we're like, hey, dude, what's up? And he looked familiar. He's like, hey, I'm J.J. Hardy. And we're, and, uh, we're like, oh, hey, man, wow. what's up? And he, and he was with Jeff Supan. And they were rehabbing down there. Wow. And, uh, really? Yeah. And so we wound up just because they recognized us. This is probably like 2009. Two I was on their team. I know exactly what you're talking about because I played for Milwaukee that year. And soup and uh jj were yeah i know exactly what you're talking about that's okay, hilarious so and we you know it's like these are this is like you know if anybody is like hey you guys the super troopers want to hang out we're like no we're not going to hang out you know like uh, like we, we gotta go we're sports fans and we're like holy shit it's these guys so we wound up going out with them and, and uh like and sean chacon was behind the bar at the bar we went to 
And, uh, <laughs> you know, and we loved, we loved Sean Chacon because like uh, I loved, you know, he pitched for the Yankees for a while and he would wear the hat, you know, with the straight brim kind of sideways and like, we're hanging out, having a great time. And then, uh, you know, whatever it is, like three years ago, I, I bring my kid over to, you know, Little League over at West Hills Baseball and Jeff Supan is there. Supan, and, yeah running the place and i used to go to his uh, sports bar in ventura yeah, soups. They, they finally sold it he was my locker mate in soups yeah soups. he was my he was locker actually i mean I, i'm heck i lived in i mean know him very well but he goes every month soups grill i said hey soup how much you make this uh this year me or this month made 99 cents jay <laughs> he said the bar restaurant business is just awful but what a great guy that's hilarious. You just brought those two names up. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, I just, it's a surreal thing, you know, and you guys know it cause you played professional sports and it, you know, it's like you wind up getting a chance to meet people that you never would meet. And it, you know, look, it's, uh, it's cool. You know, it's, it's people who are at the top of their field and certain things and you get invited to certain things and, you know, frankly, for me, it's it, what it really is about now is that I get to bring my kids to cool things sometimes. That's what's neat. That's what's cool. How old, are your kid, how old are your kiddos? I got two boys, eight and six. They're very cool. Oh, wow. And uh, and in fact, they got uh, they got to uh, have a couple lines on the season finale of Tacoma FD uh, last week. That is, you know, nice. that's, that's awesome. Yeah, and you know, it's like they. I you know I I don't know about you guys, but I just downplay. Like to me, it's just a job, and I let them know that you know dad's not special or anything. He just has, you know, a job that puts him on TV, but it's a job and everyone no, has a and job. That's very cool so, because I do know that when I was, uh, my kiddos, when I was done playing in 2010, that uh, my kiddos were there six and three. They don't remember really too much. Now I have four now blended family with my wife now, but they don't remember. I am like, the, like I tell them, I'm like, they had a baby girl. I got three boys and a baby girl. 13 is my girl. I'm like, I can walk you to school, obviously not now, but uh, that no, stay away. And I'm like, I'm the coolest dad here. Do you understand? Yeah. They think that I am <laughs> so uncool. They think that I have done nothing. Dad, you don't even have a job. Well, yeah. <laughs> go look, go, go Google, go, go, do. I Google used to have uh, a job. That's cool. my line, dude. That's my line. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they, they don't, they don't go Google and then I'm still un is uncool. So we just started our uh, school two days ago with the, um, internet. Obviously it's all online for the first month or whatever it may be because of COVID. And, and I'm like, Hey, well, baby girl, I'll help you out. And so I have to go up there to get on, um, the zoom. No, get you're, you're too, you're too close. Well, you don't know how to get on. You're going to be seen on the, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So thank goodness that your boys are old enough now to where they can, dad is cool because I'm going to tell you what, it sucks the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, except that like now on Thursday nights when Tacoma FD comes on, I'll be, I'll be like, Hey kids, guess what night it is. And like the older ones like, yeah, yeah. Tacoma FD. And he leaves the room. I'm like you motherfucker. Oh, oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. You know, but uh, no, it's, it's uh like I said, it's, it's what, you know, look, when my kids were born, my oldest kid was born. I was like, all I need to do is take care of this kid. That's everything. All my priorities in life shifted. And so to me, it's like, yeah, I'm making money to put my kids. You're school. like, I can't take care of myself. How the hell am I going to take care of this kid? That's I know exactly what you're thinking. And then you have, you're damn right. Then everything changes. And then you're like, Oh, I gotta be responsible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, you're, oof. 
now well that's what i you know you're like you're like you're the coolest dad there you know you can uh you know show you know like a million photos a million games or everything you know my kids they have to see me on the cover of high times uh probably in a couple of years like they'll that's that's what they'll be seeing. It's, oh yeah, Daddy was the poster boy for High Times. That's cool. Love it, love it. I love <laughs> hey, it. Hey, you'll be right. You'll be the issue right after me, bro. You'll be all good. Dude, it's funny because I'm glad you we transitioned into this because I'm I'm a guy that I've never smoked weed. I've always said the only time I ever smoke weed is if like Steve Lemmy or Darren Darren asked me to smoke weed with him. That's I, I'm not fucking wasting my good shit on you. Fuck. <laughs> kidding me? You don't fucking deserve thanks, it. Thanks, now, guys, Steve, for coming to the show. Steve gets right out of the top shelf. He wants, though. But, you know, he, that's why I... I Mac, we're trying to get more simple. listeners. Like, Steve can curse, but we can't. Just act like you like me. Just for this one show. Well, that, that's not going <laughs> to happen. But. but anyways, so I'm sitting back on D-Mac's uh, porch, and I'm like, oh, we're just talking. I'm like, you know, I know I know one guy who you might like. And I threw out Steve Lemmy. He's like, I love him. So I'm texting Steve like, Steve, hey, do you have a second? I don't know if you're, you, you know, you want to, because he's a busy guy, but I don't know if you want to talk. But uh, I'm sitting next to Darren McCarty right now. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? Get him on right now. I, I, I want to. I'm done telling him you can't curse. So how are you going to curse on our show? We're trying to what get paid. Do you think that we the... want to just sit wait, here and wait. do this? Part of the story. Jay, what's the curse yeah. word? Huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what did he say that was a curse? I slipped the F word in. Anyways, so then I, I. That's why you're podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's all falling apart here fellas yeah. we made it oh this minutes. is our show to a t like we'll, we'll go live steve we'll go live and there'll be 12 people and we sit here and do the same thing that we're doing with you like this is awesome so like no dude we might have well, we're gonna have a little more uh, 22 i bet after the the show is that he puts it out yeah so, I'll dude, I'll thank you for you bringing us the extra thanks people. but the, the extra 10 yeah you got it but it, but back to the story. So to sit there and listen to Steve and Darren talk about hockey and weed was one of the coolest moments of my life, because you know Steve's like, dude, I I grew up playing video games, and you were the guy on the team that I loved play, <laughs> playing video games with, and the whole weed culture, which I am like ten degrees separated away from that culture, to sit and listen to two guys, and I want to talk to both you guys now about how you guys, I guess the weed brands that you both respectively have, how you both got kind of tied into that. And I'll start with Steve since you're the guest. How I got tied into it? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I know you're a smoker. I was 12. I was 12. <laughs> and uh, I grew up in New York City. And, <laughs> you know, like it's back then we had smoking sections in the movie theaters. And I remember, you know, the movie would start and immediately I would smell this thing and I would, I would say, what's that? And my dad, who's from Argentina would go, it's marijuana. And, uh, <laughs> I would look around, you could see the joint being passed down the row. And it was just like a, it was a fascinating thing to me, you know? So as a little kid growing up in New York city, it was, I was exposed to it at an early age. So it was just kind of natural at like age 12, you know, when we, my friends and I were starting a party that we were like, uh, anybody want to try to smoke some pot or somebody finally had some pot. And then, um, you know, we would walk down these 12 year old kids. There was a, there was a, 
about three blocks from my house, there was a place where there were, you know, weed dealers on the street with dime bags and nickel bags. And, you know, it's pretty seedy and dangerous, but we'd do it. And like, you know, frankly, you giggle your ass off. And uh, I never really trusted the people who could like get stoned and not giggle. Like they could be totally composed in, in school. Like, uh, you know, to me, that was something you did just to have fun. And then, you know, in high school and well, in college, when we started writing, it was like, yeah, we're going to get high and write. And you just go to a different plane. You know, the Rossafarians think that you have a higher level of understanding of life when you're high. And that's the truth. Like, that's why you're laughing so much is you're like, holy shit, I see things so clearly. It's so ridiculous. And uh, I've always felt that way. And so, you know, it's uh, now that it's becoming legal, um, it, it's uh, I think it's a great thing, you know, and, and obviously there's so many benefits uh, yeah, you, to it, medical benefits. <laughs> Yeah, What's that? That's a, that? I think that Steve brings up the dentist, and, and that's the whole thing. It's it's all where you want to educate. I was brought to it because uh, it saved my life, and that was you know being an alcoholic and not being educated about it and not knowing, and so have having turned you know seriously medically to be able to enhance. But yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's all about education and the fact that. You have a system in your body that craves this plant. All you're responsible to do is get it in. And you're responsible to know how it reacts with your body over time. But creatively, like you were talking about stand-up earlier. I mean, I've been doing it for over a couple of years now. And it's that, that different rush. But it's, it's you know, for me, it's... Uh, because the education's there now. So whether it's the hemp, the CBD, Wait, so you or stand-up comedy, or we're talking about weed still. <laughs> no, I do stand-up too, but I'm I'm saying that I'm always and and you know what? I'm really offended because I'm never high. I'm always fully medicated. Remember that out there. Okay? Remember that. <laughs> that you feel free to use that, Steve. Yeah, you but got you it. can tell because how to how to incorporate because the way that you obviously you guys, you know, incorporate because like you said, the belief of, of what it is outside yourself, you guys use it in your creativity, not only the movies and the script, but also, you know, the, your uh, subject matter, you know, where, where are we going with this? I don't even know what we're talking about. We're talking about you do, you, you stand up now. Well, Jay, Jay, we're beyond that. We're talking about how weed influences great characters like Mr. Chimple. <laughs> and how he comes up like that that's strictly that's through the through stuff the that i love process. right there d mac that's that's you used to beat that's the crap out of everybody now you're talking about a cartoon character on your hat now now we're talking mm -hmm. yeah right, well listen buddy. but that's the thing too it's like you know when i'm when i meet you know we've seen it too like uh like one time who was it god there was uh oh now i can't remember his name he played for the uh the falcons and he was doing meow. He was being interviewed on ESPN and he was just doing the meow game with them. And the, and the, the ESPN guys who were uh, interviewing him were like, they didn't, clearly they hadn't seen Super Troopers. And, you know, it's a, I'll meet, I'll meet. I know who you're talking about. I'm trying to think of his name. Um, uh, God, I can't remember. But, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like to know that you were playing on you know I've met, you know athletes and they're like oh yeah we would play your movies on the bus or you know or you know musicians of that is always such a trip it's like darren mccarty who i would you know like i went i 
I have it right here on the shelf. The, my my VHS copy of the Revenge Game between the uh, the Red Wings uh, and the Avalanche, and it's like, and I played with the Red Wings on the on Sega Hot NHL '94, and like, you know, it's like holy shit, Darren McCarty has watched my stuff. Like that's insane to me. You know, that's Thomas that's, DeCout. What's that? Is it Thomas DeCout? Yes, exactly. Um, and uh, did he play? He was on the Falcons, right? When he, mm-hmm. when he did that, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I think that, like, you know, it goes back to an earlier question in terms of the creativity that, like, you know, a lot of the best things that came out of the Broken Lizard and certainly Coma FD come not when you're also not when you're doing the writing session, the proper writing session, but when you guys go out to blow off some steam afterwards, like I said, at right. a bar, or maybe there was some some weed being smoked and you're all just hanging out laughing. You have some great riff going about some nonsense. And then at some point somebody's like, Oh, you know what? That would be funny if we had this guy do that, you know? So, you know, Johnny Chimpo is one of those things. We're just laughing, you know, about a, 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 an obnoxious little monkey who abuses his butler, you know, I, I, I will say this. I have no idea where this has gone in the last 15 minutes, but I think it's <laughs> as funny as all hell. <laughs> And I don't know what you That's and Steven are talking you're about. Another, no, I'm not. You're I'm not. not at another level, bro. I'm tell, right, telling we'll you what, this you whole this show is on a whole nother level, and I love every part of it. And <laughs> I don't know where it is, what we're doing, but I think it's awesome. Let, let's talk about a little bit about your sports fandom before, as we wrap up this podcast here. Uh, I know that you are a big New York guy, but yeah. Do you find it hard when you become friends with athletes? Like I'm friends with Jason and Darren and then, you know, Dimitri Young and guys like that. But do you find it hard when you befriend some of these guys not to become fans of these, their teams, or are you a strict New York or nothing guy? No, I'm a, I'm a New York or nothing guy though. My wife and I, my wife's from Miami. We traded, uh, if the agreement was if she would root for the Yankees and the Rangers, I would root for the heat. Um, and you know, and then football, you know, I'm, I'm giants and jets and she's, she's dolphins. And so, uh, the thing that I always found interesting about being friends with athletes, like I was, I was buddies with, um, you know, a bunch of guys, uh, you know, from, from the avalanche actually. Uh, but like, I, I became friends with, uh, with, you know, Dan Hynote and Chris uh, Dingman and, uh, that I'd met mm-hmm. them at, at, at uh, Sean Podine's, uh, he had team 25 as a charity in, in Rochester, Minnesota. And, uh, yeah, great, guy. great guy. And, uh, the, the lightning were coming to town to play the Rangers. And so Dingman, uh, you know, called me up and said, Hey, we're going out, you know, the night before then. And, uh, in fact, Tortorello was the, uh, the lightning coach at that moment in time. And he said, this is one of the cities we're allowed to just go out and we don't have a curfew. And so I went out with a bunch of the guys from the lightning. And, and while we were out, and they were playing the Rangers the next day. And so, of course, I was just feeding them shots. I was like, yeah, let's get more shots. Let's get more shots. <laughs> and, uh, but Dingman was telling me, he's like, oh, yeah, man, I'm on the bubble right now. Like, if I, if I fuck up at all, Tortorella is going to, you know, he's going to send me down. And, uh, you know, he's going to bench me. And uh, we got, I mean, these guys got fucked up. And they were playing like shit. And the Rangers were kicking their ass. And, you know, I was in the stands first of all, like, I want everybody to know I did this. I did this. Uh, <laughs> of course you did. But but the hard thing was that that's that, a great great episode, by the way. No, but Dingman that's a great episode, dude. Dingman Dingman uh, 
took a stupid penalty and the Rangers scored. I think they, it was the first goal of the game. And, uh, I remember seeing Dingman skating back to the bench with his head down and he didn't play again that game. And for me personally, that was really hard because I knew what he had been telling me the night before that he was in the doghouse already. And I knew that he had taken a stupid penalty and I knew he never made it back on the ice. And after the game, uh, you know, he had invited me to just come down, you know, the walkway before they, they took off and say hi. And he was in a terrible mood and, and it, and it was because it, it, it was just because of these, the situation, the circumstances and knowing you tried that to play with the big boys and couldn't. That's exactly what it was. That's exactly because what it I'll was. tell you what, there's, there's about four years in my career where I look up at the, the jumbotron and I'm like, damn, I got three hits. I'm three for four. Oof, I got to do it again tonight. <laughs> you can either play with the big boys or you can't. No, and, yeah. and in fact, there was another night we were, I, I think we were in Atlanta and we went out with a bunch of uh, Braves players and uh, uh, one of them got absolutely hammered and they had a, like a day game the next day. We we're like, no way is he going to do it. And he went like five for five with a yep. grand slam. And we were like, are you fucking kidding me? dude? Yep. Some guys can do it. Some guys can't. <laughs> dude, this is nuts. Yeah. But there's always that age, that age where you're like, okay. Yeah. Now I got to take care of myself and I cannot do this anymore if I want to produce on the field. And there's always that age. When, listen, when you're 21, 22, 23, you're Superman. You, you are, you have that S on you and you think you do until something happens or until, Oh, I'm a little bit tired today, but yeah, no, there's a lot of guys that they try to hang a little bit on a, that, that, that night after then the day game the next day and they can't do it. And it gets, you could see really, really, really quick. Oh, yeah. No, and it's like that in the movies, too. You know, our early <laughs> movies that we made, Super Troopers and Club Dread and Beer Fest, like, we were partying every night. Yep. You know, and, you know, get one or two hours of sleep, and then we're shooting again. And that now we made Super Troopers, too. I'm like, I need my eight hours of sleep. Yep. Some guys can perform, some guys can't. Because, yeah, <laughs> that's a great thing. Because what Super Troopers was 2001. Correct. Uh, yeah, two thousand. Right, early two thousands, and then is it, it almost been twenty years? Holy yes, geez. but Super Troopers two was like what? Almost uh, what? 15, 20 years Super. after? Seventeen years 15. after? Yeah. So yeah, Something. that's right. So yeah, the first Super Troopers, unbelievable. I bet you were like, yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go. The second one, you're like, oh wait, you know, what, guys, good night. Let me get that turkey club. In hotel room service, and I'm gonna go to bed. That's Y'all right. know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's oh no, everybody's I twenty. I ain't twenty one anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh no, everybody's on board. Everybody's like, "Yep, good night, good night, good night." <laughs> That's so, awesome. Do we have to wait seventeen more years for Super Troopers three? No, it's it's we uh, sold it to Searchlight, so we're writing it right now. We're about like three drafts in. Um, I think we're going to shoot a different movie first though. Mm-hmm. So we're going to come out with that. We, we've got a script that's already written and pretty polished that we're, uh, we're just putting some f- finishing touches on now. And I think that'll be the thing that we, that we shoot, uh, next. And then super troopers three will probably be in, you know, in a couple of years. Um, well, Steve, when that comes out, you hop on the show. Cause you got us 10 extra people today. Hopefully it'll come on and, way um, before that, but I do. Yeah. Well, no, but when he, when it comes out, I want him to hop, you know, Promoted on our, they're making all your rounds. And because we have 22, 23 now, 
We could always have mm-hmm. 30 by then. This is mm-hmm. a good one right here where this will take off. You promote it, but I mean, that is awesome. And I cannot wait. And hopefully we do have the chance to uh, speak with you when that does come out. I don't know what it's about. I don't care what it's about, but I'll guarantee you all of us will see it because, man, you guys are hilarious. Well, I do have one more one <laughs> more you. question to uh, wrap this up, and then I'll let you guys ask your one. Uh, you guys had a very amazing media campaign going into raising funds for Super Troopers 2. Do you anticipate yeah. having to do that again for Super Troopers 3 or – because of the success, the the funding for the movie will be slightly different. Uh, it'll be different, you know. With uh, with Super Troopers two, it had been a while, and there were some you know financial issues with the with the studio, which is everybody has them. Um, and so, part of the settlement was that they would allow us to raise the money for Super Troopers. And they would uh, they would release it for it. They would distribute it for us, which which is still huge because that's a um, you know distribution is 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 the uh, where it's, uh, that's well that's it. You're, without it, you don't get your movie out there. And so that they guaranteed us you know uh, eight hundred screens, and but we had to raise all the money ourselves. And so that's why we did the crowdfunding campaign. And when we did that, you know we we raised four and a half million bucks, and then um, we raised two million on the first day, and immediately that changed the studio's perception of us and the right. life of super troopers. Right. You know, they, at first they had been a little reluctant to let us use the name of the studio, uh, Fox Searchlight in association with the crowdfunding campaign on the second day, they were like, okay, you can go ahead and use it. And then we raised the money easily and we had a test screening. And I think the test screening, you know, we, we rated like a 94 out of a hundred, which is a huge number. Uh, and we had a perfect, it was the first time we'd ever had like basically a perfect test screening and the studio realized they were actually sitting on something good. And so they actually then got involved in the, uh, in the advertising money, which is something else they wanted us to raise, but then they actually kicked into it. And so, and the movie has kicked ass. And so, uh, you know, we had considered doing crowdfunding again, but they're actually just going to finance the movie now. Um, cause it's you know, they, my question. They, yeah. My, my question's easy. Two parter though, best and worst thing okay. about your job. The, um, best, the best part of worst thing is that pool. The, uh, the best part about my job is that I get to laugh all the time, and uh, you know, I, I I just love doing it. I love storytelling, you know, and it, it's like that to me. My dad always said, just you know, find something you love to do. You know, if if you love what you do, it's not work, you know, and that's, and so that's it, you know, and, and I'd say, you know, also the the people I've gotten to meet because of my job, um, the worst part of my job, what's the worst part of my job, honey? Uh, my wife just came out here. She's sitting out here with me. The best part is the first and the 15th. <laughs> that's right yeah no no absolutely the, the best part of my job is the residuals you know it's like you every once a month you get these random checks that show up um and that's uh, fun and and even well if it's 50, 50 bucks i makes like, you laugh too absolutely yeah totally no absolutely. so it's uh yeah and jason no i steve it was a pleasure tacoma fd unbelievable show um Thank you so much for coming on. Honestly, it, it's it's an honor to meet you and talk to you, and um, very very cool. And I know here out in Kansas, there's six people in my family. Well, I guess it'd be five, including me, that are uh, 
watching you all the time. So you guys keep it up and a uh, huge fan. Awesome. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me on.